glad to be starting a new series today. Hope you're ready for it. Let's pray and we'll jump right into it. God, we're so thankful for this opportunity, for the space we have to come in here and worship you and turn our hearts to you and away from all the distraction and the noise and the other voices that we have in our lives. Would you clear our head space and our heart space this morning? Some of us walk in here with really heavy stuff going on, deep and hurtful and exhausting stuff. I pray that you would make your presence known to them. You promised to be close to the brokenhearted. So here in Tremont and all the churches in the county where the broken are gathered, I pray that your presence would just be undeniable. Your comfort, your peace that surpasses all understanding would be undeniable this morning. As we open up your word, Father, we pray that your voice would come through loud and strong to our hearts. We don't need my voice. We don't need more of our own voice. We just need you. So we pray that you would be speaking to us this morning through your word. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's good to see you, 930 Cresona, and those of you at Tremont, welcome. Grace Tremont, we are so pumped that you are joining us this morning. It was a little bit of a wrestling match getting the feed through today, but we're excited that you guys are there and thankful for the team up there and the team down here. We're jumping into a brand new series this morning. We are done with the People Problem series because we fixed all of the people problems. <laughs> no, we didn't fix hard, probably hardly any of the people problems. Hopefully we fixed our hearts a little bit. The people problems will be endless, and let's just be honest, it's exhausting talking about them all the time. Today we're jumping into a brand new series. This brand new series in the message today, if you're following along in your Bibles, um, we're going to spend some time in Matthew chapter 6, we're going to go to Colossians chapter 1, and then we will be back to Luke chapter 10 for a little bit. Uh, but we're starting a new series, and this one we're going to break in half, so we're going to do five weeks of this. Um, now and then five weeks in the new year after our Christmas series, which our team keeps hounding me about. I'm like, man, I don't usually like to think about Christmas until I've eaten the turkey at Thanksgiving, but you all are enthusiastic. So we're going to do five weeks in this new series, and it's called Guide Rails. Guide Rails. Yeah, we made up the word. It's a mashup between guide posts and guard rails and both things we need in life so to make it easier we combine them into one word now if you've been coming here for any amount of time you know how important the vision that we have for this church that god's given us is to us we say it a lot if you don't know who we are you better find out who we are because it affects every part of what we do and how we do it that's how strongly we feel about following the call God has placed on us as a church. Listen, there's lots of churches, right? If you wanted to go to a church that taught the Bible this morning, there's lots of churches in Schuylkill County that, can, that you can go and find a place like that. What, what kind of makes us different maybe than other churches, what makes them different than us is the vision that God has given us, the mission he has put us on. And our vision is to be a church that is known for what we are for. We are for Jesus. We are for Schuylkill County. We are for your friends and family who don't go to church. And then we are for you. And that ordering is intentional. Yes, this is a place where you are loved. That's really important to us. But your friends who you desperately would love to see come to know this God you care about, 
those ones who are really hurting and broken, the people in your family you never think you'd see in church, those are the people our hearts burn for. We also have a discipleship strategy. I don't know if you know what that means, but like that's how we as a church kind of set up some things to help us grow spiritually to become more like Jesus. That's what disciple means. It just means follower of Jesus. So how do we follow him well, if we're for Jesus, how do we follow him? We say, come, grow, go, right? Like, come to know Jesus, grow in your relationship with him, and then go serve others. For a church that looks like, come to a worship service on Sunday morning here in Tremont, 9.30 or 11, right? Like, come, get to know this Jesus, get to know him more, get to know what he says about your life, come to know him, and then grow deeper in relationships through groups and then go serve on a team those are really important things that make us who we are as a church Uh, but as i was thinking about this there's this huge piece that was missing we have our statement of faith that's we we don't swerve from our statement of faith you can go online to our website to find out what we believe theologically Uh, those are really important things to us But as I was thinking about it, I was like, man, we need some values because values are what guide you and keep you from running off the road. And that's how guardrails were born. (laughs) Guardrails were, uh, guide guide rails were born. It's it's a combination of guideposts, values that give us direction in life, and guardrails, values that keep us from running off track, getting distracted, getting bogged down by nonsense instead of focusing on our mission. So this series is all about not just our guide rails as a church, but also good guide rails you could add to your life to help you not run off the road, not get tanked by distraction or your circumstances going sideways on you. These are good guide rails for your life to make sure you're still moving forward, becoming more like Jesus, embracing all that he has for you in life. If you made it already, you don't need to come. But most of us, we haven't made it already. We're still on this journey, and it's full of failure, and it's full of challenges, and it's full of disappointment. It's full of hurt. It's full of struggle. And I don't know anybody who is honest who would say, I'm good. I made it. I'm done. Hallelujah. Whatever. You know, like, check, check, check. Mission accomplished. I don't know. That's not me. Is it you? Guide rails. Help us keep moving forward on the path God has for us without falling off the road somewhere, getting sideswiped by something, and losing the direction, the plan, the future, the joy that he has for us. We're going to spend five weeks in this now, and then five weeks in it later, and there's ten of them, and we'll, we'll put this in your hand. We're going to nail this down so that everybody that attends knows these guide rails, and today's one is the most important one. And it is this. Write this down. Pay attention to it. Remember it. I don't want you to miss this. This is what you have to know about us as a church. And this is what I want you to know about me as an individual, hopefully, you know, and and us as individuals, is we keep Jesus center. Our priorities start here. We keep Jesus center. 
our priorities start here. You have to know this about us as a church, and I hope, I hope that as, you, as we jump into this, you'll see how important this is for you as an individual, as a husband, as a wife, as an uncle, as a partner, as a business person, as an employee, as, as a grandparent, as an in-law, like whatever lane you find yourself in, I hope that you see that if Jesus is the center of everything, everything else falls into place. That's why our priorities start here. I want to talk about priorities for a second. You know, priorities and the conversation of priorities exhaust me. Do they exhaust you? They exhaust me because I'm not good at priorities. Maybe it's I got a little ADHD in me. There's shiny things that flash, and then I'm like, whoa, what's over there? And then, whoa, what's over there? I'm distracted by this cool thing, and then the Phillies stink, and then I'm distracted by this other cool thing, and then I'm like, you know, like I'm a little bit all over the place, and maybe you're thinking, we've listened to your messages, we know you're a little bit all over the place. <laughs> I'm glad you know that. Like, so when I think about priority as I get exhausted thinking about them, I, I, I don't know if you're like me, but I spend a lot of time juggling priorities, trying to keep them all in balance and all in place. It feels like this kind of like sick juggling match where it's impossible to keep up and only bad stuff can happen. And when I think about that, I, I think how exhausting it is to try to juggle your priorities. And then sometimes I spend significant amount of time trying to balance them. Okay, what's most important right now? What's not most important right now? And how do I balance my life to reflect the priorities I have and that, that I know I need to have. Some of us, we have our priorities. We know what's important. We know what's most important. We know what's second important. We just struggle with the balancing thing. And what happens to me is if I misbalance my priorities, I know this thing is most important, but I have not been able to focus on it. And so now, I don't know, my family is suffering while other things are getting my attention and time. I feel enormous amount of guilt. Do you? When you struggle to balance your priorities, sometimes I just downright drop them <laughs> like they're hot. Right? Like, I just have a, I know it's supposed to be a priority, but I just like drop it. It's off the radar. And I'm like, usually it's because I feel so overwhelmed by life and other things. I just can't. You ever say that to yourself? Like, it just can't. I just can't keep it up. I just can't keep the attention where it, where it needs to be. I just can't. And sometimes my priorities, I drift. And that's when I end up feeling lost in life. It's when I know the priorities and the order I should have. I know like it should be like God and then my family and then my job and then my other stuff. I know that's the way it is, but I just drift from it. Get distracted by other things. And those times where I'm drifting from my priorities are the times I feel most lost in life. And it usually takes pain for us to realize that our priorities are out of whack. It takes pain, sometimes from your significant other, to realize that you have not been prioritizing your significant other. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I hate that about my priorities, but most of the time I'm not like, Wow, Josh, I'm feeling great, but my priorities are a little out of line. 
maybe I should make an adjustment. No, somebody's yelling at me, or I'm seeing the disappointment in one of my kids' faces, or I'm, or, or I'm messing up something at work, I'm dropping a ball. It takes pain for me to realize that my priorities are out of whack, but it doesn't have to be that way. If you get the center right, it doesn't have to take pain for you to readjust your priorities and get them back into line. If the center is right, everything else ends up falling into its right place. But when we talk about priorities, we don't talk about the center. We list them. Such a Western thing to do, right? Like top to bottom or bottom to top when you think about priorities. You just think about what's number one or what's the foundation I got to build everything else on. And then we work either up. Okay, so, so if this is the foundation I got to go up or let's list them. One, two, three, you know, four. These are the most important priorities, but it's the wrong way to think. Top down, bottom up. The right way to think about priorities is center outward. And we say that the center, whether you're talking about donuts, church, or you, is the best part. It's the most important part. Don't look at me weird, man. Everybody knows that those white cream-filled donuts with that sugary gold inside them is the best part of the donut and like I have kids who they're not into filled donuts well I don't care what kind of donuts you like the center is the better and you're like well yeah but my donut favorite donut doesn't even have a center but I guarantee you if you went to Dunkin right now you would be thrilled with a box of donut holes the center is the best part if you think I'm wrong get out of here right now the center of the church, what, what our hearts are centered on and focused on, it's the best part of the church. And when things go wrong in church, and I know some of you have come from some pretty crazy church experiences, some pretty bad church pains in your life, but when, when that has gone wrong, it's because the center has been off. The center hasn't been the focus. Some preacher has been the focus. Don't ever make me the focus. Some program has been the focus. Money has been the focus. Attendance has been the focus. The center was off. And it hurts when the center's off. Or in you, the center is the best part of you. I'm not talking about that round part, right, that causes you to have to buy double XLs now. I'm not talking about that part. Like the center and what the Bible talks about as your soul or your heart. It's the seat of your emotions and it's the seat of your thinking it's the seat of your spirituality it's your heart that's the best part of you the center of you and i know some of you are maybe not doing great in the center things have been painful exhausting your heart if i if i stopped you i love asking this question to people because i think it's a a brilliant question because I care. I think you should use this question with people you care about. Is your heart okay right now? Is your center okay? Are you exhausted, worn out, beat up, confused, lost? It's the center of you, even if it's, even if it's been treaded on lately. Even if someone broke your heart lately, 
even if it's just full of pain and disappointment lately, it is still the best and the most important part of you, your center. As Christians, the Bible is super clear on this point. At the center of our hearts, at the center of our lives, at the center of our church is to be Jesus. We keep Jesus center. And everything else comes after that. Maybe you've heard uh, people say like, just give God everything. Some, I don't know why I went into some different preacher voice right there. Right? Like, I'll try to keep the southern accent out of it. You know, go all in for Jesus. Give him your entire life. You know, do all, do all this stuff. I've, I've had people sit me down and be like, what is that? Like, I don't, what does that mean? I don't even know what that means. Give him everything. Does it mean like I become a monk and live in the mountains and like eat strawberries and write poetry? Does it mean I have to be at church all the time, you know, and raising my hand and crying tears? And does it mean I have to like, what does, I don't even know what that means. I think it's confusing lingo. I'm probably guilty of using that myself from time to time. How about this? I heard a guy one time say, how about instead of trying to give God 100% and failing, give him 20% and do it really well, right? Like, just 20. I thought that's intriguing, Maybe just God, give God the center of your life and then see what He does with everything else. Maybe like we talked about last week when it says, hey, here's the most important things. Love God with everything you have, with all your heart, soul, and mind, right? Like all of it. And love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe if you get that heart, and then He says everything else hangs on that. Like all of the, all the stuff you need to do and don't do, it hangs on those two things. Maybe it's if you get the center right, everything else falls into place. Matthew 6, 33, you have some focus drift happening because of anxiousness. I'm so glad that the Bible addresses this kind of stuff and it's real life and real meaning and stuff we can really apply. Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about, the end of that, he's talking about anxiety and people worried about what they're going to wear, what they're going to eat, all this other stuff. And it, he sums it up like this. Uh, he says in verse 33, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and everything else will fall into place. Everything else that we're supposed to have, we'll end up having. Everything we're not supposed to have, we, we won't have. Seek first. If you get the first thing right, giving God your center, everything else falls into place. I want to talk about why this is important. And strangely enough, it has nothing to do with you. I mean, it does, but right? Like, you're not... The focus of why this is so important. Jesus is actually the focus. And I think if, if you bust this down, you'll see that there's great freedom and power in making him the center instead of making you the center. Because that's what I think we struggle with. We make us, we make me the center of my life. And so this list of things of why it's so important to make Jesus the center, it has 
little to do with you and a whole lot to do with Jesus, though the benefits of getting this right are unbelievably good. It says this in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. This is a passage, I'm just going to do 15 to 20. If you're like, man, I just want to go deeper and dig into some stuff, this would be a great passage like, to study on your own throughout the week. There's so much in this. And I can't hit it all today. But I have uh, like five things that, that from this passage about why it's so important to make Jesus center. It says this, The Son is the image of the invisible God. Talking about Jesus there. He's the image of the invisible God. You say, I don't know what God's like. All you have to do is look at Jesus and you know what God's like. I don't know what God would have me do right now. Well, what did Jesus do in that situation? He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him, there's so much in here, all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Jesus. And for Jesus, it says him or and him there, but I just don't want to cloud it up. Like, let's not miss it. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him, listen to this, in Jesus, this is so good, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the blood shed on the cross. This is why it's so important, because Jesus is the perfect picture of God in the flesh, because he is God, Emmanuel, God with us. If you flip a page in your Bible or scroll a little on your phone, you'd run to chapter 2 and verse 9. It says this. I love how the NLT says this. New Living Translation says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. How does God feel about me? Look at Jesus. Is God angry? with me look at jesus is god distant can god even relate is he even paying attention to what's going on in my life look at jesus these confusing passages in the bible i don't know how to understand them what should i what should i do about them jesus is the word look at jesus how does he live what does he say how does he do it What's most important to him? Who's he spending time with? What's he saying to the religious? What's he saying to the people some churches wouldn't let in church? He is the perfect picture of God. Here's the second thing. He created and designed life and you. Jesus created. How incredibly powerful is it that you can actually know the one who designed you and designed life who better knows how to live life the way it was designed to be lived who better knows than the designer himself 
Who better knows how you can reach your potential than the one who gave you potential? Who better knows how to meet the deepest needs of your heart than the one who created your heart? Jesus. He's the creator and designer of life and you. Here's another one. He holds everything together. You can't hold it together yourself. Maybe you're the center of your own world and life. No wonder you can't hold it all together. You weren't made to hold it all together. Jesus is the one who holds it all together. It goes on in this passage. It talks about how he is leader. He's the head of our church and he's supposed to be the head of our lives. Like our church isn't about me. It's not about our name. It's not about our banner. It's not about grace. It's not about how many campuses we have. It's not about how many people come. It's not about our amazing programs or how our worship rocks every Sunday. It's incredible stuff. I love that stuff, but it's not. What's most important? It's Jesus. He holds everything together. He's the leader. He's the one we say, I'm going to follow. Thank goodness you're not following me. <laughs> that would be a disaster. We follow Jesus. I try my best to follow him and then just talk about what I'm learning as I follow him. How messing it up some days. And when I get it right, by God's grace, what that does in my life. It's, it's about following Him. And then He's our Savior. The first one raised so that we could be raised to. Forgiveness through the cross. His grace that we can live in. Jesus is way, way better. He's our strength. He's our direction. He's our hope. He's our light. And all of who He is affects all of who you are in beautiful, awesome, incredible ways. See, when we make ourselves the center, all we're doing is perpetuating brokenness. When we make Him the center, we now have a way to life. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He has to be central to our lives and to our church. And we're not going to model after some other church. We've got to model after Jesus. We've got to model after Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, Mary and Martha, these two women, have invited Jesus into their home. It says, as Jesus and his disciples went, in verse 38, they were on their way. He came to a village where the woman named Martha opened her home to him. Isn't that great? Martha opened her home to him. Martha was the one who invited him in. That's awesome. Some of you have invited him in, but still don't have him at center. Just inviting him in isn't the key here. Martha's about to miss it. It says she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She was doing good things for good purpose. You can do good things for good purpose and still miss it. There's a lot of churches that are doing good things for good purposes but missing it. There's a lot of people who call themselves Christians. They're doing good things for good purpose but they're missing it. 
I'm not interested in missing it as a man, as a father, as a husband. I'm not interested in missing it as a, as a friend, as a pastor, as a church. She's distracted, doing good things for good reason. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do this work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. How, how could this, this can apply to a whole lot of us today. You are worried and upset about a lot of things, but few things are needed. He breaks it down even further. And indeed, only one. You may be worried about a whole lot of things right now maybe wearing you down and exhausting you. Jesus says, well, at the center, there's only one thing that is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. She made Jesus the center. Despite all the other direct distractions, despite the pressure, despite the expectations of others, she sat at Jesus' feet, acknowledging who it was that walked into the room and wanting to know him more. She slowed down enough to spend a minute there and was greatly rewarded when she made Jesus the center. Here's, what, here's how you make Jesus center. I'm going to wrap this in two minutes. You make Jesus center by acknowledging him for who he is and by getting to know him more. You make Jesus center by slowing down and spending a minute with him in his presence. You don't got to start by giving him an hour. You don't have to start by giving him half an hour or 10 minutes. Start just giving him a minute of your undivided attention. That's how you make him center, and it's a choice you make. It's not just a choice you make once and done for your life. It's not like you say some prayer. That's important. It's important to, to, to say that prayer and ask Jesus to forgive you for your sins and to give him your life. That's important, right? To acknowledge who he is and who you are to him and that you need him and that his work for you is completed. That's important. But this decision about keeping him center, it's one you make every day. It's one you make situation by situation. And God, help us as a church keep Jesus central. And to make that choice to keep him central every time we have to make a decision, big or small. Every time we have to weigh the other priorities in our life. And may you learn just to acknowledge him and to know him and to slow down and give him a little bit of space in your life. Cut out a minute for him to make him central in your life because you will find that if you seek him and his kingdom first and his righteousness, everything else you will be worried about will be taken care of. We keep Jesus central and our priorities start there. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful for Jesus.
so thankful that he is the designer of our lives and the perfect image of who you are. That when we're confused, we're lost, we don't know how to handle something, all we need to do is to look at Jesus. Would you help us keep him central? Help us to give him the center of the, our hearts. Help us to make that choice daily, situationally every day, to keep him center. We know that that is the key to life as you have created us to live it. You are so good. And we are so thankful. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.